episode are we on? <laughs> this is 23. Okay. Welcome it's not 2D2. Oh. <laughs> is that how, is how we're going to start it then? Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome back to episode 23. Right, I forgot about the 2D2. <laughs> Never forget. Um, yeah, we're, uh, what are we, this is Killer Queens. It is Killer Queens. Um, and we're just so happy to be recording and doing this today. Yeah, um, I'm Torella. I'm Tori. I know no one can tell us apart. I've heard that from other people who listen that are like friends of mine. They're like, you know, I love the, well, I might be adding this to it. I don't know if they ever said they love it, but they listen to it. (laughs) And then they're like, yeah, we can't tell you guys apart. So if it sounds like I'm just talking to myself the whole time, I am. We could probably pull that off, actually. I think we could. All right. Yeah. Twins. Let's try it. <laughs> so, um, in this episode, I think it's it's funny because even though we sound exactly the same, we both have very different tastes when it comes to what cases we like to cover. Yeah, so you can pretty much tell. Yeah, who's who by the extent. It's like <laughs> open and shut, it's Tori. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And if there's mysteriousness, it's me. But you make it sound like I'm super vanilla and it's not very interesting. And you're wrong, bitch. Because it is interesting. I mean, this is how I feel. (laughs) That's so hurtful. I just like the ones that I like to go into their history or their past and like maybe see why they became the way that they are and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I like the profiling aspect of it more. It's because my brain is bigger and it, it just needs more to chew on and digest where you just... You know, you're okay with not knowing. I like to... I view myself as an investigative journalist... Who doesn't write anything? Right. (laughs) I'm like a wall artist without a wall. Oh. (laughs) You don't even have a wall. (laughs) So, um, no, but I think those kinds of things are interesting where it's like, you're not sure, you really have to weigh the evidence. So, I mean, I think it's a good mix. We kind of go back and forth every time. It's not like we have the same type of case over and over. So, hopefully, you guys uh, like it too. We got to keep it sexy or else we're not eating. Otherwise, we're not eating. Mm -mm. Nope. Okay. So this episode, I decided to do, her name is Catherine Mary Knight. She is Australian. She is a crazy bitch. That goes without saying. Um, I was doing some research and, you know, of course, and I don't want to say that I love it, but it intrigues me to hear about some really, really messed up stuff. Like, I just think it's, you know, when we're talking about cannibalism or, um, you know, Teresa Knorr, who killed her children, like, as, as terrible as it is, it's like, what drives people to, to be right. this way? It's just yeah. unreal. So, with, I mean, that's the basis of science. Yeah. And if we're not learning, then what are we doing? Yeah. I don't know. We're just, we're just eating processed foods. Yeah. Man, they're good, though. They are good. All right. So, Catherine Knight, she was born on October 24th, 1955. She was raised quite unconventionally and dysfunctionally. So, of course, that had a lot to do with her, you know, craziness, I guess. But her mother, Barbara, I'm going to say Ruffan. I don't know how you say this last name. Thorley had been married to Jack Ruffan or Ruffin. I don't know. And lived in a small house in Aberdeen, New South Wales. And Aberdeen is like a very, very small town. At one point, it was very well known for mining um it was a very industrial city but now i think from what i gather it like had its heyday and now it's you know 
it it's not bustling like it used to be. It's just kind of the small, like, rundown town. But um, they lived in a small house in Aberdeen, New South Wales. They had four sons together before Barbara began an affair with Jack's friend, Ken Knight, who was also Jack's co-worker. Whoa. Uh, I know. And this being the small town that it was, everybody heard about this, and it, like... Um, caused quite the scandal and so barbara and ken had to leave aberdeen and they moved to barbie and ken barbie and ken (laughs) how did i not put that together i mean i wonder if people called her barbie or you know throw some shrimp on the barbie (laughs) please try to do an australian (laughs) (laughs) i purposely didn't it i'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen at some point in this episode but forgive me whoever is listening if we actually have anybody who can do an australian accent or is australian or you know just forgive me i know not what i do <laughs> um they moved to more or more i don't know it's like uh there's an aboriginal tribe that mm. is it more m-o-r-e-e new south wales I think probably Moray. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and none of Barbara's, none of Barbie's sons moved with her. They all, like the, the older two stayed with the dad, Jack, and then the younger two went and moved to Sydney, Australia with um, an aunt, which didn't make any sense to me. I don't know why they got split up that way, but Barbie yeah. was like, I don't care. You're fine. You can stay there. Um, after moving in together, Barbie and Ken had four children together. And then they ended up having a set of twin girls, and one of, or the youngest twin was Catherine Knight. Um, in 1959, Barbara's husband, Jack, so they never got a divorce, but he ended up dying. And I don't know how, and I don't know why, but he died. And so then Barbara's two older sons, who had been living with Jack, moved in with Barbie and Ken. Mm. Catherine's father, Ken, was a raging alcoholic who used violence and intimidation to rape Barbara up to ten times a day. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's an asshole. Ten times a day? Ten times a day. And the weirdest part of it all, that's not, no, that's not right, but uh, another weird facet to that is that Barbie didn't keep this information to herself. She was, like, talking openly with her children about her sex life, like, kind of complaining to them about it. It's just so weird because they're children. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, your dad's been doing this to me or whatever. It's just like, it's huh. so weird. So, and, well, and see, that's where, okay, so like I, I, for the short time I went to a college, to any colleges. And it should be noted that Torella did walk up some stairs or walk down some <laughs> stairs and she fell down and skinned her knee at college. I fell at college. It was so embarrassing. And everybody was <laughs> like, oh my God, are you that girl that fell down? Are you okay? So then she had to leave and we went to Cracker Barrel about it. Yeah. Cause that's what helps. So, um, I took a sociology class. I really like sociology. And one of the topics that we had was like a debate on like for or against prostitution. And, you know, when I started the class, I'm like, no, it's bad. It's bad. You know, but then you look at all of these social things that they, it can, you know, so like if this man had just got himself a hooker, Maybe he wouldn't have had to rape... Well, he didn't have to rape anybody at all. But it's like, they would look at stuff like that, that like... He had this insatiable... Yeah, so it's like, normally you would think prostitution is a horrible thing, but... Or it's illegal anyway, but this guy, you know, it could have maybe... I mean, it sounds like he's just an asshole, but, you know, it's like, there were some studies where like, you know, it 
kind of kept marriages together when the, you know, wife is like, whatever you have to do, as long as I'm not having to do it all the time or whatever, yeah. like for these men who can't like, well, and I used to watch that show taboo. And as far as I know, and it could have changed, but I'm pretty sure escorts and like escort services and prostitution is legal in Australia. It was at mm-hmm. that time when I was watching that show. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know what made me think of that, but it's just yeah. like, what, why do that to somebody? There are just so many other ways. I just don't get it. Or like, you know, just jerk off. Yeah. Do something. I know. It's just awful to rape a woman I know. any amount of times, but to do that, I mean, it probably had more to do with control or whatever, but yeah, it's just awful. It is awful. Yeah, and so Barbara decided to tell her children, like, how much she hated sex and how much she hated men. And, and then at one point, Bar- or, um, excuse me, Catherine um, claimed that her mom told her, or Catherine went to her mom and was like, Mom, this guy that I'm dating, he wants me to, you know, perform these acts on him and I really don't want to. And Barbara, quote unquote, said, put up with it and stop complaining. So I think she just, like, you know, shut off to everything oh, and just, wow. like... Just deal with it. I feel like Whatever. that's the opposite. I know. Way to raise your daughter. Like, I mean, I think so too. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Put your foot down. Yeah. Knee him in the crotch. Yeah. And she's like, look, just grin and bear it. It's fine. Well, that and sucks. It just that warps your psyche mm-hmm. so much. Oh, totally. Um, and Catherine later claimed that she was sexually assaulted by several members of her family, but never her father. Mm-hmm. And it kept going until she was 11. Catherine was a model student at school, except for when she was being a big fat bully. Oh. Because she would, like, kind of throw her, what's the word, like, um, over younger students, you know, she would, like, throw around her superiority. You know what I mean? Like, she would. Yeah. Like, I'm a senior, you're a whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was a big girl. I mean, she's she's always been kind of, you know, like, strong and tough, and she's never backed down from a fight. She's kind of, if somebody says anything about her, she's always going to be the first one to, like, confront mm. it, and usually, or almost always violently and physically. Wow. Yes. Um, and she assaulted at least one boy with a weapon in school, and then one teacher injured her while she was defending herself against Catherine. Injured. She injured Catherine, Catherine. but... Oh. In, in an effort to right. defend herself, yes. Um, Catherine left school at 15 without learning to read or write. How the fuck did she not learn to read or write before 15? Don't How even do ask. you get progress? I don't know. Even one grade? I don't know. I have no idea. I know. That's... But the good news is she did land her dream job in a slaughterhouse. Oh. Well, I guess you don't... I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not. Well, maybe I'm you, not knocking the profession. I'm just saying, you no. know. Maybe you don't need to read or write for that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it got, she, she got, got job, by. I guess. You know? Yeah, she got by. Um, but she. Yeah, I just she got, literally don't under like. I hello. I am in the sixth grade. I will not be moving to the seventh grade because I cannot read or even or write. write. Like. But so how does that even happen? They were just like. Fuck it. Let's pass her on up. I don't want to deal with her anymore. Well, and I hate to say it, I don't want to be this way, but this was the late 50s, early 60s. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Times have changed. Yes. So, 
Um, she was quickly, quickly promoted. So she went from like doing the kind of menial jobs where she was like cleaning and shit like that. And then she got promoted to what is called boning, where she would, um, like remove the meat from the animals. And she loved this job. Like that was, she loved it. And she had a very, very great fascination with death, um, with, you know, meat, stuff like that. And then she, at that point had gotten her first set of butcher knives because that's part of the job, you know? Right. And at home, she always hung her butcher knives above her bed so they would, quote-unquote, always be handy if I needed them. And she never stopped that habit. Up until she was incarcerated, she always had her butcher's knives hanging above her bed. Well, she must have known how to secure that shit, because what if it fell down while you're sleeping? I know. But you can't secure it too much, because what if you can't get to it? Like, she lived on the edge. She sure did. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And you always hear about not running with scissors, but it's like, you know, why are you gonna why are you gonna sleep below some some butcher's knives? I don't know. It's just There yeah, there are so many things that you shouldn't have to tell people, but you do have to tell people. I know. In nineteen seventy four, Catherine married a coworker at the slaughterhouse named David Kellett. He was an alcoholic and he because you know, they always say like a lot of women end up marrying their fathers, so mm-hmm. she married him, and he had been on a two-day drinking binge when they got married. <laughs> so he's hammered. So he's like, "What are you?" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and Knight was the one who asked him to marry her. So she, yeah, I don't know hmm. if that matters to you at all. That's what happened. As soon as they arrived at the ceremony, Barbara, Catherine's mother, gave David this advice. Oh, I'm ready for this. <laughs> she said, you better watch this one, Catherine, <laughs> or she'll fucking kill you. Oh. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing, and you're fucked. Don't ever think of cheating on her. On her. She'll fucking kill you. She's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. Wow. So you- Best wishes. <laughs> yeah. XOXO, Barbara. <laughs> Your new mother-in-law. Yes. Like, Welcome you, to the family. You would think that, like, because he was already drunker than hell, that she would have been like, I don't approve of this. I want somebody who's going to treat my daughter well. But she's like, look, you need to stop drinking because it's literally, like, she's going to kill you. You don't even see it coming. Yeah. You need to be like, have your wits about like you with this one. she was worried about this man. Yes. Wow. I'm assuming. With good reason, though, because... I'm assuming she kills him. Yeah. On their wedding night, Catherine attempted to strangle David. That didn't take long. Mm Mm-mm. No, hours later, she attempted to strangle him. Do you know why, though? You're not ready for it. You're not ready. He didn't put the toilet seat back down. No, he only had sex with her three times that night. Jesus. She expected more, and he couldn't perform. He tried to fall asleep, and she tried to strangle him. That's a lot of times. I mean, that poor man gave it all he had. I know. I'm giving a roll of <laughs> That's, I mean, three times in one just night. Like, in not even night. over the course of, like, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Mm-mm. That's, mm-hmm. like, how old were they? Were they college age? I think so. What, 55 and 74? It's, like, 1920. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's possible then. But not with Whiskey Dick. Well, yeah. I mean, he had been drinking... He'd been for days hammered for two days. <laughs> I know, like the fact that he could have even done it three times. I'm proud of it. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment. Yes, it is. She should have just congratulated him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, their marriage was obviously extremely violent, and 
At one point when Catherine was pregnant with their first child, she burned all of David's clothes and shoes before hitting him on the back of the head with a frying pan because he arrived at home late after a darts competition. He was, and he made it to the finals. I, I do need to tell you that. But he got home too late, so she burned all of his shit, and then she fractured his skull with a frying pan. So he left, he goes over to the neighbor's house, he collapses at the neighbor's house. Oh my god. They call the police, the police wanted to, t- uh, to press charges, and because, you know, he had this severely fractured skull. Well, then, and this is what Catherine always did, she would, like, lash out very violently, and then she'd be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, let's, let's just be okay, let's just be together, and so he dropped all the charges. See, yeah, and that's that's what bothers me about domestic violence is they'll, like, with an assault like that, you, I don't know. I mean, I know, I don't know what the laws are there. I know here the the police can go ahead and, and move forward if they know that something has happened. Right. But a lot of times they'll ask, do you want to press charges? And a lot of Like people, battered spouses. Yeah. Or yeah, like... No, you know, now the decision is on them and they don't want to get in trouble for it even more later or or maybe they're, you know, feeling guilty or whatever. And so they won't do it like with an assault like that. The police need to step in. And I mean, he was very injured. He could have died. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Also, the next time, like, I'm just going to bring this situation up. You know, the next time I'm, like, huffy with Andrew, if he gets home late or something, I'll be like, well, you know. Could be worse. Catherine Knight beat her husband over the head with a frying pan and fractured his skull for being late. You're getting off easy. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. For this BF that you're getting right now. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This time it's making some noises. Whoa. Um, In May 1976, after the birth of their first child, her name is Melissa Ann, David left Catherine for another woman. He was like, can't do it. I'm out. You're crazy. Bye. So he leaves and he moved to Queensland. Please tell me he did not give her his address. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not sure if he did, but listen to this. So the next day, Catherine was seen pushing Melissa in a stroller down the main street of where they lived. And people saw her, like, pushing the stroller very, very violently, like, from side to side, like, bashing it into things. And so somebody reported her and she was later admitted to, it's called the St. Elmo's Hospital, where she was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And she spent several weeks recovering. And the baby was how old? Like days old. Oh my God. Yeah. After she left treatment, she put two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before the train was due. This is a coal, like a mining train. Yeah. I don't know if it's coal, but mining anyway. Um, Then she went and stole an axe. She went into town, and she threatened to kill a bunch of people. Well, a man in the area who's known as Old Ted, I don't know, um, thank God for Old Ted, Old Ted. he was just in the area, and he found Melissa on the train tracks, and he, he grabbed her within minutes of the train coming in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Catherine was arrested and taken the to St. Elmo's again, Fuck. but apparently recovered, and she checked herself out of treatment the next day. Because it just takes a day. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the weeks that she that she was in there before didn't do anything, but the day really helped that her, I really guess. really made it, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Days later, she slashed a woman in the face with one of her butcher's knives and demanded that that woman take her to Queensland to see Dave, David. 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 <laughs> Sorry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the woman escaped, so she drove her in the car, but she stopped at a police station, got out, and told the police what was what had happened. Well, when the police tried to get out to arrest Catherine, Catherine had grabbed a boy and was holding him hostage and, like, threatening to kill him. This is where it gets kind of weird. I don't know. She was disarmed when police attacked her with brooms. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I know. I Were don't they know. just like, get me some brooms! <laughs> <laughs> we need the brooms! We're gonna need some more brooms! <laughs> I know! Well, and every... You've heard that, that saying... Don't bring a knife to a broom fight. (laughs) It's you. You'll never win. I know. It's just like were there just brooms around, and somehow the police. Well, luckily the police station was located directly next door to the broom store. Uh, No, I don't know. I'm (laughs) making shit up. I don't know. I I now know that the safest place I can be when being attacked is the broom store. Yes. Or the broom aisle. Broom closet. Yes. Yes. Um, interesting. Also, what interests me about this, in the sense that it pisses me off... Sure. ...is that why the fuck does she later have the opportunity to do kill somebody? Because I know she's gonna kill somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, look at this. I know. But it's one of those things where it's like, I just don't understand how many people... How this happens so often that people, like, slip through the cracks, because... That is why I love these kind of open and shut cases, because if you go back and you look at their history of violence, it's like, hello. Yeah. How many more red flags do you need? Right. Like Wesley Allen Dodd. Yes. How many times did he have to be arrested for all of the things that he was arrested for? Exactly. And then he goes on to do what he did. It's like, how many lives could you have saved? Right. Exactly. It's awful. But, you know, I don't know if it's a, a situation where... she's a woman? Yeah. And people don't want to... You know, it's well, the, let that be somebody that else's time, problem. I don't know. They were classifying it as postpartum. Still, but she tried to strangle her husband before she even was pregnant. Yeah, and her mom knew. Oh, exactly. Um, so after the police apprehended her, they brought her to, um, <laughs> the to <broom> to the <laughs> broom store <laughs> they brought her to Morissette Psychiatric Hospital and there Knight or Catherine told the nurses that she had intended on killing the mechanic who worked on David's car because he that man helped David leave her then she was going to go to Queensland and kill David and then also kill his mother so her mother-in-law and so they said okay and they let her go well yeah so they the police told David all that information And David was like, yeah, I already fucking knew she was going to try and kill me. No, but listen to this shit. So he finds out and he's like, she really needs my support right now. Oh, no. So he gets back with her. (gasps) He and his mother get her released under their care. And they go on to have another child together. And then, I know, it is the craziest thing. So she was released on August 9th of 1976. They moved to a suburb of Brisbane where she worked at another slaughterhouse because it's like give this woman more knives do yeah. all do this she had a hold on him man i know that's ugh, fucking bit and oh my gosh i don't want to say no i'm not even gonna say it okay maybe i will say it she ain't cute enough to have a, such a hold like that i don't understand i mean i'm sorry it's not about know, looks but she's always, crazy yeah you always wonder that it's like but you're not even cute yeah does she have beer flavored nipples i know i know so I hope somebody gets at least like one or two of our movie references. That was from Ten Things I Hate About You, <laughs> which is a solid movie. Yes, R.I.P. Heath. Yeah. 
Another Australian. Oh, Aussie. Full circle. Full circle. <sighs> the buzzing. I'm trying to make it stop. By sitting on it. Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> on March 6, 1980, um, David and Catherine had another daughter, Natasha Marais. I don't know. In 1984, Catherine left David and moved in with her parents at first. Then she rented another house that was close to work. Then she suffered a back injury, and so she went on disability, or like on a disability pension. So she's not working at this point. Then, so we're flashing forward. There were some relationships in the middle there, and I'll get to those a little bit later. But, um, so then she meets the victim, who, his name is John Price, in 1995. Oh, wow. So I was thinking... It's David. It's no. David. It's David. No. Wow. I felt like it was important to tell you all of that because that really sets the tone. Yeah. But uh, he narrowly escaped with his life, I Exactly. Like. Multiple times. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> so, Price was known as just, and this is another quote, but he was just known as a really, really good bloke. Oh, yeah. 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 Just top-notch. Great guy. First class. First class. Um, Price had been married before and divorced in 1988. He had three children with his ex-wife. His two-year-old daughter, who was the youngest, she stayed with his former wife, and then the two older children lived with him. Price is said to have been aware of Knight's violent tendencies and moved in, moved her in with him and his two children, even though he knew all of that. Um, his children apparently really liked her. Um, at the time... Price had been making a lot of money working at a mining company, and other than the violent arguments Catherine and John had, he said life was a bunch of roses at that point. So, I think he was hopeful, but I don't know. Love is blind. This is very early on in the relationship. So, in 1998, and this is three years in, they got into a fight over John's refusal to marry Catherine and to retaliate, which is, this is very important with Catherine. Um, she, if you, if she felt like you harmed her in any kind of way, or crossed her, she was going to get even with you, and she didn't right. care how it had to happen. So, to retaliate, Catherine found some first aid kits that were at the mining company that he worked for, and um, he had brought them home, and so she recorded them. She got a video video camera and recorded them, then brought the videos to his work and showed his boss, like, hey, he stole these from work. And he had been working there for 17 years, and the boss fired him, because he was like, you can't be stealing from work. Okay, well, that's hateful, mm -hmm. but also, like, doesn't that directly affect you if yes. you live together? That's and the thing. It's like, she, it didn't matter what, she, as, as long as she got even with whoever she wanted to get even with, it didn't it even didn't matter, matter if it affected her directly, she was going to do it. Yeah. She's a crazy bitch, I'm telling you. What if, yeah, and also I did look up a picture of her, and she's Thank you. No, she's just not cute. Um... The kits that she found and had recorded, they had been out of date, so the company would have thrown them away anyway, but she got what she wanted out of it, you know, that I mean, she sucks. used that against him. Yeah, so he's jobless. 17 years. 17 years. And he knows that she did this to him? Yeah, I think so. Ugh. Um, their relationship was on and off, and but never off for good, and all of his friends... Everybody that knew him was like, you've got to get away from this crazy lady. Like, this is not good. So he lost a lot of friends in the process. There was a bar that they, as a couple, and a bunch of their friends had frequented. And they, they were, or she was banned from the bar because she's awful. And so, you know, like, all of these things are happening. I feel like that's a lot of red flags for him. Like, right. dude, what are you doing here? What is, yeah. what is, she, how is she so good that you want to stick around and do all of that? Yeah. But, but she's also got to be 
just so manipulative. Like, there's a psychological aspect that she's playing on these guys. Because, like, for her to be doing what she was doing and threatening to kill him and for David to be like, you know what? She really needs me right now. I know. And to, like, put himself back in that situation. Yeah. There's manipulation, like, beyond belief. Absolutely. So, at this point... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just saying, she's in her 40s? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... The fighting grew worse and worse, and in early 2000, John would be woken up in the middle of the night by Catherine, who she would just, while he was sleeping, would just come and stand over him while he was asleep with her arms behind her back. So it looked like she had something behind her back that she was going to either strike him with or whatever. So he would wake up, like, in a panic, of course, because that's fucking creepy all by itself, and with her explosive personality, I'm sure she threatened him a lot. Yeah. And he was like, I just know this is the night... Um, and this is a quote, I don't know, like his friends would say like, this is the night she's going to do me in. Like, this is the night that she's going to kill me. And he would get up and then he would see in a mirror, like on a wardrobe or whatever, he would see that she didn't have anything behind her back, but still she was making these like, that's so creepy, threatening. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if like, even if I woke up once and Andrew was just standing over me in the middle of the night, I would be like, I'm moving out. Right? Like, that's so (laughs) scary. so scary. So... They got in fights, and then she ended up stabbing him once in the stomach. I think it was in the stomach, or maybe the chest. She stabbed him, and he calls the cops. (sighs) I bet I just had a package delivered. Dangerous. I love packages. Um... So, she stabbed him. I think it was a pretty shallow wound, but still she stabbed him. And she had threatened him and told him that she was going to stab him. So, he called the police and he was like, you have to get her out of my house. Like, I do not want her here. She doesn't even really live here. She just stays here sometimes. And the cops were like, we can't do anything. You have to get a court order. Like, there's no way that we can remove her from the property. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, he... After he'd been stabbed? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. And so, he was so frustrated by this because he was like, she doesn't even go here. <sighs> and so then the next day or a few days after all of these incidents had happened where he was being woken up with her, just like kind of over him, he went to get a restraining order against it, against her, excuse me. And, um, that day before, or like days leading up to that, he would tell all of his friends, like, if, if something happens to me, Catherine did it. Like, if, if there's anything that happens, Catherine's the one who killed me. They and probably didn't even need him to say that. No. Like they knew it. But he was like, there was one friend who he... So the day that he had gotten the restraining order, he goes over to his friend's house with two beers, and he's hanging out with him. And John was a drinker. I mean, he, you know, I think all the men that she ended up with were kind of like those hard, yeah. tough guys that, you know, loved to smoke and drink and stuff. And so he went over to um, his friend's house with beer and he was like, if you wake up tomorrow and you see my car, because he was always, John, even though he drank a lot, he was always the first one at work. It was, it would have been very weird for him to not, to not show up at work. But he was like, if you see my car in the driveway. Well, and if he kept a job for 17 years. Right. And he had been working not again at this point at like a, another mining company. But he yeah. was like, if you don't, if I'm gone, if I, if my car's still in the driveway, she killed me. Like, there's what? no don't way. Go home. I know. And that's what all of his friends were like, John, please don't go home. Don't go home. And she, he was worried that she would kill his kids if he didn't go home. Oh, his kids were like, oh yeah. my gosh. So he was like, it's fine. I'm going to be fine. So that night he goes home after that. Catherine, she shows up at his house 
and John's already asleep. She goes into his house. She watches a little bit of Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Um, then she goes into his bedroom. She wakes him up. They have sex. He goes to the bathroom, and when he came back to bed, she stabbed him 37 times and killed him. Oh, my gosh. Um, like, he had to know that that was, like, because she's not just going to show up to be nice. She's been served a restraining order, right? Mm-hmm. And retaliation is her thing. Oh, mm-hmm. man. But what I had heard... And I, you know, a few different documentaries, a few different websites. It's kind of confusing to me, but apparently they had been both been served with like multiple, um, what's the word? Like, um, oh fuck. Um, what's like papers about like either you've been served with this or whatever, like just telling, you know, like you guys don't need to be around each other and mm-hmm. they just ignored it mm. because of, I guess the manipulation, you know, I mean, Catherine would, she wouldn't want to try to, she's not trying to get away from him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course she definitely obviously wanted to kill him. So she, on March 1st, 2000, John's boss reported that John had been missing or had missed work that morning. So the police had been informed and they were going to do a welfare check on him. So they go to the house, knock on the door. They don't hear anything, but they can see because there was a glass, like a glass screen door kind of thing. And then the regular door and they saw blood on both doors. And so they open the screen door and there's a little like mail slot thing. They open it, look inside and they see more blood. They felt like that was reason enough to investigate further. So they break into the house When they walk in, in the doorway of the front door, there's a huge pool of blood that spanned from the hall, like the, like the entire width of the hallway, which they said was a meter, but I don't know anything about the metric system, so, (laughs) so, um, whatever is a meter is, yeah. (laughs) Um, it was a big ass pool of blood. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I got it. Then they're walking in further and they see blood on the walls and you can tell like apparently as you get further into the house like at at the door the blood on the walls was really low and then as you keep going into the house it's higher and higher because you can tell like he had started out like maybe been stabbed a few times and had succumbed to his injuries Mm -hmm. and almost made it to the door like he was almost out of the house I mean he would have died eventually anyway but he was so close yeah they see this that what one of the police officers said looked like a blanket that was hanging in a doorway or like a covering of some kind and so he takes his arm and he kind of brushes it moves it over but he felt it was cold and he looked down and he saw blood on his arm and he was like well maybe I cut myself breaking into the house and then with flashlights they saw it was John Price's skin or pelt that she had skinned him completely um, so she had taken he his... this man's skin removed from his body. That she hung with a meat hook in a doorway. Oh my gosh. So, yes, it was headless, but everything else was there. And she had done it with such precision that she... I think she only had one incision, really. And she skinned him so well that everything else was intact. Um... Oh my gosh. I know. It's like those people that can peel an apple and never have to like pick the knife up. Oh, like uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, but. Oh, but this is not good. That's That's that. This is not. Mm -hmm. But it's just like. Yeah. You can do it so well that it's like you don't. Oh my gosh. Well, she had. I mean, her only real job was slaughterhouse. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, goodness. They kept going through the house, and they walked into the kitchen, and they saw blood drippings that had gone up to... There was a pot on the stovetop. Oh, no. And they also saw a torso, so no hands, or I mean, I'm sorry, no head, no genitals, just the torso that was skinned on the floor. And then they, one of the cops said that he had said, I'll give you one guess where the head is, because he sees this pot on the stove. But he also saw two plates that were set out that had um, two steaks on each, on each plate, vegetables, gravy, and they had names, like, papers with names underneath the plates that were, like, addressed, you know, like, the, these plates like are for these people. Like cards or whatever. Yeah, and they were members of John's family that she had addressed these to. Some say it was his kids. Some say it was just family members. I don't know. Wait, but weren't his kids... Where were his kids? Weren't they I in the house? I don't know. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. John sent his children to a sleepover that night with friends because he was scared for them. Wow. For their safety. Wow. So he sent them to someone's house, yes. Oh, he saved their lives. Yes. So, um, and they found his head in the pot being boiled on the stove. Mm. Um, they also found, there was another steak that they found outside and they think it was for the family dog. Yeah. Ew. Just um, all of it, ew. I know. And it ended up being the steaks were sliced from his gluteus maximus. So it's like a big muscle. Glute. Glute. Okay. His butt. Hooks. <laughs> My throat keeps I know, quit it. You're being weird. I know, sorry. Um, well, they kept looking, because of course this is a very shocking scene that they walk into, and one of the police officers had said that Sometimes when you get in that situation where you're, you know, you're panicked and you're scared and you don't know what's going on, you forget that you're not, like, your hearing kind of goes out and you're not listening like you should be. And so he thought about, okay, we got to find, maybe there's somebody else in the house or who, who had done this. So they go around looking and they hear snoring coming from a bedroom. You're not serious. So they She's walk. taking a fucking nap. Well, they walk into the bedroom and they found Catherine Knight asleep in bed, um, but they tried to wake her. She would not wake up. They bring her outside and lay her on the lawn and, like, try to resuscitate her and wake her. And apparently she had taken a cocktail of prescription drugs, and they didn't say it was to commit suicide, but it kind of seems like a suicide attempt after what she had done. She survived it. So they took, they called the ambulance. They brought her to the hospital where she had to recover from those injuries. Mm. Um, once she woke up, they interviewed her and she was very she was no help at all I mean she was like I don't remember this I don't recall I have no idea what happened but she seemed to accept the fact that she had killed him I mean she was like yeah I know I did that but her defense was that she was a battered woman and John had beat her repeatedly and she she did all this out of Mm self-defense Like, that kind of stuff makes me so mad because there are people, men and women, who legitimately, like John and her ex-husband, who did suffer abuse. Mm -hmm. And for you to sit there and claim that when you've not, you know, it just, that's why some people don't get believed when they do say something and they really are going through. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's just not... It really angers me. Yeah. Like, I can't even... Police found that days before the murder, she had taken her video camera, which she fucking loved her video camera, obviously. Recorded yeah. everything. It was, like, the time for that. Well, still. Yeah, but, like, with an actual video camera. I know. I mean, we really enjoyed that camera that we had that had to use floppy disks to save all the camera, or the pictures on, too. Remember that? What's a floppy disk? Ugh. <laughs> Don't even talk to me. <laughs> um... So she had gotten a video, or she got her video camera, and she recorded herself going through all of her things at her own house, because she lived right on the road from John. So she was going through all of her things, almost like a will and testament, like saying, you know, this is mine, this I'm going to give to my daughter, this is going to be whoever's. And she was said to be, like, materialistic, but very entitled. Like, she, what was hers, it was very important to her for people to know, like, this is mine, and you cannot have it. And she felt like everything was owed to her. Um... Police claim that making her will and testament days before the stabbing meant that she planned the whole murder. Like, it was premeditated because she knew what she was going to carry out. Yep. And Was she trying to use that as, in case something happened to her, to, like, try to put it on John, or... They didn't really say if it was, like... Because she never addressed it at all. Hmm. They just found it after investigating. Mm. But she would never address any of that kind of stuff. I mean, she kind of just turned everything off, you know, and all she said was that she was a battered yeah. wife or battered spouse or whatever. Um, which they weren't married, but, you know, whatever. So, then, that day, the day before, or the day of the murder, she went and bought a black negligee, and then she went to Price's house, watched her Star Trek, then had sex with him. So, they found this black negligee, and there was sperm on it, so obviously they did have sex. After she murdered him, dismembered him, did all the things, she went, she took a shower, she changed clothes, she took Price's wallet... And she went to an ATM and withdrew $1,000, so in $500 increments each. And nobody has been able to recover that money. Like, they don't know what happened to it. Um, but she took a large sum of money from him. Hmm. After the murder, when she told police that she was a victim of abuse, the investigators looked into Catherine's past and realized that she was the perpetual... Wait, per perpetrator, excuse me. <laughs> the perpetrator of the violence rather than the victim. Yeah. Of course, but, like... Of, yeah, you know, it wouldn't with, take much... For, with right, her you don't have to dig yeah. very hard, but of course, you know, her husband, David, who she had bashed in the head with a frying pan and fractured his skull, but there was another one of her partners named David Saunders, and she hit him in the face with an iron, and then she stabbed him in the stomach with scissors. Before that, he had a little eight-week-old dingo puppy. She slashed its throat. Oh my god! And just to show him what would happen if he ever cheated on her. He never did cheat on her. So, But she what? was just like, let this be a lesson to you. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's like, I don't, like, prisoner of war camp shit. Like, I just don't. I know. I don't know. It's just like, you can just say like, hey, if you ever cheat on me, I'm gonna fuck you up. But to kill, go that far and yeah. kill a puppy, oh I know. Oh my gosh. So, after speaking with friends and family of Catherine's, police found out that Catherine had told her brother that she would kill, like, she, she told him, she was like, I'll kill John, um, and that she would get away with it because they would think that she was crazy. Like, she had this whole, like, insanity um, plan that she was going to carry out. Okay, well, the way that the law recognizes insanity and the way that you, like, yeah, she's crazy, 
Mm-hmm. But the way the law recognizes it is you don't know right from wrong, and she did. Right, exactly. There's a difference between insane... That shit crazy and... Yeah. yeah. So at court, Catherine pled not guilty. Of course. <laughs> um, during the trial, she decided to change her plea to guilty. But the judge, he was really apprehensive, apprehensive about accepting the guilty plea because he was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, why would she change it all of a sudden? And he didn't want to aid her, aid in her, like, insanity plea. Mm-hmm. So he had, because there was already a psychiat- or psychiatrist that had evaluated her, and they said that she was sane. He brought another guy who evaluated her, and they also said, she's completely sane. She's a terrible person, but she's completely sane. So he, like, he allowed the guilty plea. Um, and when, after they diagnosed, or after they assessed her, they diagnosed her with a personality disorder. Um, and that meant that she had trouble connecting with others and that if anyone crossed her, she felt anyone had hurt her, she would get even, which is what we've already talked about. And of course, um, during the trial, after her guilty plea had been accepted, she, like when the witnesses were like testifying and they got rid of the jury, I guess, because once you've admitted your guilt, like not necessary. Yeah, you just have to have the what the sentencing is going to be or whatever. Yeah. So when the witnesses were on the stand, she would never look at the witnesses that were testifying. She just looked straight ahead, very blank. There was like no emotion. Um, when any evidence was being shown, she would not have you know no emotion at all. But then when they showed the crime scene footage, she started rocking back and forth very violently. She started like screaming. Um, she could not get herself together, and the judge said that it was really interesting when she would choose to do that. It was very manipulative manipulative of her because when yeah. she wanted to have an adjournment, like when she didn't want to be in the court anymore, she would just start doing this and they would have to... Yeah, that yeah. judge has her number. Has her, yeah, like, exactly. And he said, you can tell when someone's bullshitting you and when they're just trying to feed you all kinds of bullshit because he was like, she's got a lot more to the story than she's ever going to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. But um, he could read, you know, right through her. Yeah. So, the judge ended up sentencing her to life imprisonment without possibility of parole, and she's the first woman in Australia to ever receive that sentence. The judge said that she is incredibly dangerous, and given the opportunity, she would definitely kill again, because oh, yeah. she's had plenty of attempts at killing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't take anything. It Like, you don't even actually have to do anything to her if she just gets angry enough thinking about if you did do something to her in the future, she'll haul off and fucking kill you. Well, that's what reminds me of that mob, uh, what was he? He was a hitman for the mob. Uh, what was his name? Kuklinski. Yes. man. Yes. He was like that. He was very much a loose cannon. If you looked at him the wrong way, he would kill you. Like, it's just, it's so scary to me in this, like, calloused, like, don't, yeah. don't feel any emotion, remorse, anything about doing yeah. that. So terrifying. I feel like, though, with her insanity thing, I mean, I don't know. And I feel like she could almost have gotten that to work because one of the things that they look at, you know, is like, did you try to cover it up? Like, you know, because you knew it was wrong or like, you know, try to get away with it or whatever. But like with him, when she went and turned him in, to his work for stealing, even though it came back and had a negative, could have had a negative effect on her, like, the consequences didn't matter. It's like, 
she definitely is batshit crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think that it's, I don't know right from wrong. I think it's, I want what I want so bad, and I just don't, I don't care. care. Yeah, I don't care Yeah, about like a complete disregard of the consequences, yeah. but, um, I mean, luckily that didn't work out for her, but I think it yeah. could have. So she ended up, after being, um sentenced to life in prison without parole she tried or attempted to appeal her case and she failed miserably of course um and she will remain in prison for the rest of her life and the judge who sentenced her said that the case upset him so badly that he didn't eat meat for three months after that and that it only reminded him of what had happened oh my gosh i bet because he had to see like pictures yep and crime scene footage she's still alive yes Ugh. she's 63 she needs to kick it. I know. And that... Go ahead. She didn't get the death penalty. She did not. As far as I know, they're really lax on the death penalty in Australia, which is interesting because Australia was the first... Like, that. the whole point of Australia in the beginning was where they shipped off, mm. like, inmates and criminals and stuff. Yeah. Not the whole point of it. That's not fair. I mean, there are people who were living there before that and feel bad for them, but... Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's just interesting that that's the history of yeah. Australia as a continent. And, like, they're not... I don't want to say they're lax, but if anybody deserves the death penalty, I would think she does. Um, and, you know, she better be glad she didn't fucking grow up in Texas. Yeah. Because they would have fried her ass. Yeah. Speaking of, did you hear about that woman in Russia who she went in for, like, a saline drip or something and they ended up embalming her when she was alive and she died like a very very gruesome death i just saw the report the other day was it an accident it was an accident they accidentally embalmed her mm-hmm. how Russia. do you make that mistake i don't know it's oh my so gosh. scary a f- regular fucking saline drip mm-hmm. yeah um russian woman dies after given formaldehyde instead of a saline drip Two days ago. This is in a hospital? It was in a hospital. Why do they have formaldehyde there? I don't know. She's 27. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. In I routine just... surgery at a hospital last month. It was last month, I guess. I mean, like, I'm sure there's stuff that you would use that for, but would it not be... I mean, the saline comes in the bags, right? And it's Big Fat says that it's saline. Like, how do you not... Tell different. Oh my God, that's yeah, so said, awful. That um, said, she suffered pain and convulsions for two days before falling into a coma and being rushed to the hospital. Her legs were moving. She had convulsions. Her whole body was shaking. Um, she was attached to a life support machine, and she eventually died of heart and lung failure. Oh my goodness! What a horrible way to go. That's terrible. I know. Isn't that awful? There is also a developing case here in Tennessee. Out of Dixon, last week a little boy who's six years old went missing, and then the police have made an arrest this week. Um, They arrested his father for his murder, and as far as I know right now, they've not found the body. Um, And apparently the little boy was autistic, and they're saying that, I don't know, just what's going around in the news is that his dad killed him. Because he was autistic, I'm not really sure. Um, but once more comes out on that case, I don't know, we might cover it or just update it or mm-hmm. whatever, but that's, uh, we're definitely praying for 
everybody affected by that. You know, as teachers were, and like somebody shared on Facebook this woman's post, her kid goes to school with this kid and he's been really worried about him until they figured out that he's dead. And like now all these five and six year olds have to process that. Like, yeah, he's dead. And now his dad killed him. Like, how as a child do you process that? Yeah. And then they are scared for their own safety. Right. And it's just, I just, just, yeah, you shouldn't have to do that. Like, it's awful. And if you don't want to care for a child, there are other options Like, I just don't understand how you have a child and you can even fathom doing that to anyone, let alone your own children. And there are people in the world that would love to have, would have loved to have that baby. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't understand. Yeah, like, like, public announcement, you don't want your baby, give it to me. I will take care of it. Mm -hmm. I will love it. I will take it to its doctor's appointments. I will put it in school. Like, whatever it is, I I will take that baby. Like, it's just, I just, there are so many people who would. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we do have some more good reviews. So Shout out. Just wanted to um, thank, we haven't been great about this, so I know we've, so if we haven't mentioned you specifically, like, thank you for leaving a review. Yes, not um, anything personal. And giving we just, us a rating. Yes. Um, and again, I think it's important to say, like, we do want whatever review you have or whatever comments you have, like if it's if something we need to work on, if it's something that, you know, where we love all feedback, um, if it's constructive or if it's just good news, you know, whatever you yeah. guys want to give us. So we've got J. Jones, 1973. I don't know if this is Cake's, Cake's Mate. Let me see. I'm not, it's like Cake's and then M and then eight. <laughs> Oh, okay. Cakes, mate. And then uh, Justice1969, so thank you to those people. Um, And, you know, obviously ratings and reviews help other people find the podcast, um, and it helps us out too, so we're we're doing pretty good. We have a review that has really brought us down, and, you know, I don't know. If it's even worth mentioning, this person says they're not going to listen anymore, but apparently our humor is not the kind of humor that this person gets, and that's unfortunate, but not everybody is going to get us, so... And whatever we say on here is always intended to be lighthearted and fun. It's not anything personal, and it's yeah. not anything that... And we certainly wouldn't make fun of other people. We we make fun of ourselves and laugh at ourselves, so hopefully that comes through to everybody, but... Yes, but a a thousand apologies if it's ever been offensive. We don't mean it that way. Yeah, so, I mean, and, you know, and there's lots of podcasts out there, so if we're not your cup of tea, like, you know... That's totally fine, but we will try to keep ourselves in check and only make... Let's just only... Let's just make it a rule that we only make fun of Torella. How about that? That's the easiest thing, I think. It it is. It's the easiest. For me. It would be the easiest. Okay, Okay. thank you. Well, as long as it's easy for you. Um... (laughs) So, yeah, so if you do have a good review, um, we would love for you to leave it and help us out there. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, if there's anything you ever want to shout out at us, like case requests or anything like that, we have the Instagram, we have the Facebook, um, and we're, what are we, killerqueenspodcast at gmail.com? Yeah, girl. So you can email us, too. Um, but anyway, we will catch you next time. Thanks a million. Have a great rest of your day or weekend or whatever you're watching this. Just have a good one. They're not watching it. Damn it. Listening. (laughs) 
what are we doing here? I don't know what's happening. I can't make fun of you, though, because of the new rule. Well, and I can't wave that. Yeah. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye.